0: first part of the Lenten season we're going to be looking at the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness in the desert and usually on the first Sunday of the Lenten season uh, this is one of the texts that we would read we find this story in either uh, Matthew Mark or Luke's Gospels now in Mark's Gospels gospel it's just a couple of sentences But we get more of the information from Matthew's gospel and certainly in Luke's gospel. So I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 4. And over the next several Sundays, we're going to break down some of the temptations. But this Sunday, we're going to focus on the fact that Jesus just went out into the desert and engaged in a spiritual experience. He had a spiritual retreat, a time to withdraw and pull away. In verse 1 of chapter 4, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. If you'll notice, as you read Luke and the second volume of his work called Acts, the early uh, history book of the, of the early church, uh, you'll notice that the Holy Spirit is one of the themes that Jesus and certainly those early disciples in the church are empowered by the Spirit. So Jesus has just come back from his baptism at the end of chapter near the end of chapter 3 and now it says Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert where for forty days he was tempted or tested by the devil you know forty that number is uh, important in the Bible uh, we know that the children of, of Israel wandered for forty years Out in the desert, in the wilderness, we know that when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments from God, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in a spiritual experience, a time of testing and receiving. So now Jesus is out in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 days, and there he's tempted by the devil. It goes on to say he ate nothing during those days. Now, can you imagine going without food, fasting, for 40 days? A lot of us can't go 40 minutes, uh, much less 40 hours. But how about 40 days? He ate nothing during those days, and kind of an understatement here, and at the end of them, he was hungry. May God add his blessings to the reading and to the hearing of his holy word. Catherine Willis Pershey is a pastor and a writer. She writes about going to see her psychiatrist and of his frustration in not being able to help her lift her depression. She was convinced it was time to ditch her antidepressants. The previous summer, she had had a particularly bad week. And so her psychiatrist had doubled her antidepressants, but to no avail. And Catherine Willis Percy writes that she was still very much drenched in sorrow. But to her surprise, her psychiatrist, a soft-spoken Syrian man who traveled back to his homeland every several months to work with children and developing some programs that helped some of the children—they are traumatized by war. He shrugged and agreed. The pills were not working for her. He admitted, rather sadly, that the tools—that the uh, pills—are the only tools that he has as a psychiatrist. Sometimes they work miracles, he told her, and sometimes they don't. And then he leaned back in his black leather chair. And sighed and looked at her and said you know I think what you need is a spiritual experience that kind of caught Catherine Willis Percy by surprise because she writes that she often recommends going to see counselors and therapists and mental health professionals psychiatrists uh, when they need some additional help and support but she said that she never It never dawned on her that it would go the other way, that a psychiatrist could realize that maybe he was out of his league with a woman weeping in his office, recognizing that her soul sickness had not been covered in his medical training and that maybe she needed to go elsewhere for some healing. So Catherine Willis Percy decided that she'd take her psychiatrist's advice and seek out a spiritual experience. So she signed up for a day-long silent retreat with about 40 other people. She drove, she said, through the snow and arrived at the tr- retreat center, very eager to enter the silence, not really having a lot of patience to sit there and listen to the introductory group Um material that was being given out and the information that was being shared the instructions about how to spend the day in silence but she writes that she did cling to and remember the benediction that was offered before the day of silence began and the benediction was very simple god is here and you are loved god is here And you are loved. Those are not bad words to hear when your soul and your heart feel sick. You know, sometimes we need to pull away. Sometimes we need to draw back. Sometimes we need to retreat and rest our bodies and our souls and our minds a bit. And we need to pull away to hear God say, I am here. And you are loved. You know, that's what Jesus, I think, is doing in some shape, form, or fashion in the first part of this text this morning. He's pulling away. He's pulling away, first of all, to clarify his mission. He's got to decide, and all these temptations are designed to test Jesus, to to really, he's got to decide what kind of Messiah am I going to be? What type of Savior am I going to offer myself to the people? He withdraws and pulls away for a while to feed himself in light of that testing on God's Word. He withdraws and pulls himself away for a while to rest his body and his mind and his soul. And I wonder if Jesus didn't pull away to remember that God is here and that he is loved. You know, sometimes we need to do that. We need to pull away. And we need to remind ourselves that God is with us and that we are loved. I want to put a quote on the screen for you. It's from the writer Henry Nowen from his book, Making All Things New. Henry Nowen writes in that book, and the first time I read this, I thought, does Henry Nowen really know what he's talking about? But I've decided he does. Without solitude, that's that act of pulling yourself away for a while, retreating, withdrawing back a little bit. Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Now, I read that sentence and I thought, you mean it's impossible? If I don't have any solitude, pulling away, retreat time. You mean it's impossible? Well, that's what he says. It's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Solitude begins with a time and a place for God and Him alone. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was giving God a place and space for him, God, and him alone. If we really believe not only that God exists, but also that he is actively present in our lives, we need to set aside a time and a space to give him our undivided attention. Now, maybe you give God your attention every once in a while, but are you giving him your undivided attention. Now, you know, Jesus says in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, come away to a deserted place all by yourself and rest a while. Jesus knew that God can't speak to the heart and the mind and the soul when the body is tired. Some of you have heard me say through the years that I think one of the most spiritual things you can do in your life and a great time to practice it is on Sunday, on the Sabbath day. One of the greatest spiritual acts you can ever do is to take a nap. And I'm serious. Because how can God speak to a tired mind and body? How can he speak to a tired mind and body It's not rested. So sometimes one of the most spiritual things you can do is take a nap. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand. I I, I don't want to um, have any of the guilty raise their hand here. But how many of you have gone on vacation? Again, don't raise your hand. This is a rhetorical question. You just answer it kind of uh, inwardly. How many of you have gone on a vacation, you've come back, and you thought to yourself, I need a vacation from my vacation. You ever thought that before? You go away, and you go, 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 and you do, 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 and you're busy, 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 that that great four-letter word, busy. And you come back, and you're so tired, and you're so worn out, you say, I need another week to rest. You went away to get some rest, and you came back more tired than when you left. And Jesus says to his disciples in Mark 6, come away to a deserted place all by yourself and rest a while. You know, Richard Foster tells us, and I want to put this on the screen for you too, in his book, Celebration of Discipline. Richard Foster writes that the devil majors in three things. Noise, hurry, and crowds. Somebody say amen. Susan Sparks said last week, if you really get excited, you can stand up in the middle of the aisle and say, now that's what I'm talking about. David Hughes, you promised me you'd get up in the middle of the aisle and say that. You didn't say that this morning. Shame on you. Uh, Noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest satisfied. What do you think about that? Muchness and manyness, is that a part of your life? See, Jesus knew that it's difficult. He knows it from personal experience. He knows it's difficult to mix rest and prayer and trying to hear God with a lot of noise and a lot of doing. You may find it interesting, I did, to discover that the word for obey, the English word for obey comes from the Latin word for audio, which means to listen beneath. So when we pull away, when we draw back, when we uh, retreat for a while, it allows us to listen beneath the frequencies of the noisy physical world to hear God speak and to rest our bodies for a while. Now, in case you think that Jesus just took a spiritual retreat one time for 40 days and he was done with it, I want to enter in to, want to enter some evidence in for your consideration. So I want to put some scriptures on the screen for you that illustrate that Jesus spent some time alone periodically. Uh, Mark 1, in the morning while it was still very dark and the daylight change, uh, savings time changed. Did you notice it was a lot darker when you got up uh, this morning? At least it was when when I got up. While it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place and there he prayed. Luke 5, but he would withdraw to deserted places and pray. Luke 6, now, during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. And then, in Luke 22, near the time of his death, just before going to the cross, he came out and went, as was his custom. See, Jesus had built this into the fabric of his life. As was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And there, then he withdrew from them, about a stone's throw, knelt down and prayed. See, Jesus developed these parts of his life and began to use that time of being alone to grow himself. It was that lifetime of prayer. It was that lifetime of silence and solitude, drawing away. It was that time of resting in God, resting his body and his mind that shaped Jesus. You you wonder how Jesus could go to the cross? I'm going to tell you how he could go to the cross. All of those times of withdrawing and pulling away shaped Jesus into the type of person who could go to the cross and die for you and me. It shaped Jesus into the type of person who could forgive his enemies. It shaped Jesus into the type of person who knew when to speak and when to hold his tongue. It shaped Jesus into the type of person and the kind of person who knew what was important in life and what was not important and what to let go.